Hi, I'm Charles Galda, president of Vision New England and your host for The Church in Action, where we talk with New England leaders about the imperative of making disciples, doing justice, fostering unity, and sharing Jesus to transform lives in New England. This week, I'm excited to talk to David Johnson. David is the pastor of Grace Church in East Dennis. Uh, he's also the co-founder of Cape Kids Meals, which works to address food insecurity on the Cape. And we're going to dig into that because it's in an innovative way that David does that. Uh, David, thanks for being with us. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. David, just to set the stage uh, for our audience, Vision New England completed a research project working with over 100 leaders around New England to document the issues we believe God was exploring in the church over the last two years and what needs changing going forward for his church to thrive uh, and to survive in a post-pandemic world. Um, to, there's a lot of findings in it, but to boil it down, the post-pandemic church needs to be different. We need to make disciples, people who are biblically literate, who evidence the fruits of the spirit are becoming more like Jesus, disadvantaging themselves to love and serve others doing justice, right? Fixing those things in our community that violate the pre-fall order God created in unity across divides like race, because when we do that, people want to know Jesus. So with that setting um, and that biblical definition of injustice of anything that violates the pre-fall order, um, I think we live in a pretty target-rich environment uh, when it comes to injustice. How does uh, food insecurity or hunger fit into that? Uh, again, we are called to give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Um, and uh, as I tell people that one of the things that uh, we, our church, wants to do is to uh, let people know that there's a God in heaven who knows them by name and loves them dearly. Uh, a hungry child is going to have a hard time believing that. And um, so uh, I have, I had an advantage um, coming into ministry here on the Cape. I had, I had worked for 13 years in a church that did things about as well as can be done in many, many cases. It was Grace Chapel in Lexington. Sure. And I had the honor of working there with uh, Lord McDonald and Paul Borthwick. And, uh, and from Paul, uh, I got uh, just inspired to, I work with young adults, college students, and single adults. And, um, uh, my one of my favorite things was um, with Paul's inspiration to take uh, yuppies to the third world and just show them all that we do have and to um, and to and so we did that. We had lots of different missions trips. I took that here into the. I then worked four years for um, uh, an NGO, a Christian uh, a nonprofit in Eastern Europe uh, called the Integra Venture. It was a team effort between. Uh, uh, international teams out of Chicago and the navigators working in Eastern Europe. And we did um, economic development, um, micro fund, and then F SME, which is small to middle size uh, economic development, uh, starting small companies, building entrepreneurship over there. Mm -hmm. Because when the wall came down, um, whole systems fell down, especially the economic system. And so we taught Christian entrepreneurship throughout Eastern Europe. Again, I spent four years on staff as director of uh, development and mobilization, another six years on the board. Uh, and um, and from there, uh, while I was working there, there was this tiny church that was about to close here on the Cape. And they asked me to come as their minister. And I did. And uh, by the Lord's blessing, it started to grow. Hmm. Well, we took that same uh, heart of getting people out into the world to in Jesus name. And um, for for instance, we've taken six teams to, the, to 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 Haiti since the earthquake in 2010. I came back from one of those trips, and 
one of my key leaders said, gee, we seem to be better at carrying at 5,000 miles than we are at five miles. Mm. And a, a number of things happened. There was a gentleman in my church who had been very successful, sold his business and said, hey, I want to get involved in the world for Christ. And we actually went on, a, we went to Albania and Bulgaria and Moldova uh, and uh, Guatemala and Haiti. Um, and, uh, but then we found out, my wife started teaching at the local elementary school and found out that there were kids coming back to school on Monday mornings who hadn't eaten real well. They were on the free breakfast, free lunch program at schools. And, but they hadn't eaten real well over the weekend. And they said they can't even study until noon. Well, David, let, let me, let me, let me stop you there for a second. I want to come back and let you finish, but just to clarify for people, because I think a lot of us have a perception that Cape Cod is a pretty ritzy area. It's a vacation area, and there's not poor people on Cape Cod. Guilty as I thought that myself <laughs> uh, until I actually got here. And, and, and I'd say for half the Cape, uh, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, I, in my 20 years now being on the Cape, uh, I've determined that there are really four populations. There is the, the rich or near rich who have the little starter mansions on the ocean, and they're here for six or eight weeks maybe. Uh, then there are the townies, they, the police, the fire, they, they, they don't work at the hardware store. They own the hardware store and the little restaurants. Uh, then you've got the retirees. Um, and I thought the biggest issue, all three of those different groups don't create community with one another real well. Mm. They're, they're vastly different. The retirees, their kids, their grandkids are all off Cape. Mm -hmm. Um, but the needs arise when one of them passes away. And then, so I thought the great felt need on the Cape, and we worked with this, was community, create community. But then there's the hidden half, and I mean half. Mm. They are the service people. They don't own the hardware store. They work there. Um, they don't own the landscape company. They mow the lawns. They wait the tables. They, um, all sorts of things like that. And then in the sidewalks tend to roll up here in November, mm. and they're just starting to reopen now. Yeah. These folks know, um, you know, again, uh, I've been to Haiti, I've been to Liberia, I've, I've seen starvation. It's not starvation, it's hunger. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you what I have found is that starvation kills the body, hunger kills the soul. Mm -hmm. And it says, you know, why aren't I worthy of being cared for? Or why can't I care for my kids? Can you imagine a parent? Right now, we've got parents who can't find formula for their kids. Yeah. Well, there are parents who can't afford food for yeah. their kids uh, and, and the rents are exorbitant. And, and, so and, we clearly, that out. and clearly God didn't create man to be hungry. No, that's right. just, and, and, and so, so it's a justice issue. We don't always think of it that way, but, it, but it is right. And God doesn't want his, his children, his followers to live in an environment where there are hungry people. Right. And so there's a calling on us as disciples to be more like Jesus, disadvantaging ourselves to, to address these kinds of issues. And yes. so, so, so let me get you back to where you were in your story. So your wife is starting at the school yes. and, and she's and she comes to school hungry. Go ahead. She comes, you know, this isn't, this isn't Kansas Toto that, you know, you the, the kids that she walked were, um, just all walking in in the wintertime and they're wearing, you know, torn sneakers and, and, and there's a good amount of real poverty. And um, she came home one day and she said that the adjustment counselor said, um, there is a little girl who's coming come to school covered head to toe with bug bites because her mattress is infested. 
and they can't afford a mattress. We, do you know? And he goes, the school, there's nothing in the school budget. Can you, can anybody help? And she said, there's another family that's about to get thrown out of their efficiency hotel because they're $88 behind on rent. And so I went in the next day. I said, okay, where do we write the check? We want to buy a mattress. We want to, you know, pay the rent. And we got talking about the real needs of kids. And um, there was a program out of Kentucky called Blessings in a Backpack, where they give, they, they started this idea of giving kids as they leave on Friday, enough food to get through the weekend. And so we went off of their model. Um, we added, they don't do fresh fruit and things like, so we added fresh fruit and a few things that were asked of us and we give substantial bags. Uh, we started in our two schools and we started uh, 30 kids in one school, 40 in the other. Uh, and those two schools were now closer to 50 and 75. Um, and we just, every Friday morning, we show up with a number of bags um, for, for kids to take home. Some other people have caught the vision from us. Uh, another uh, another church that actually packs with us. We have a, we, Our church is one of four packing centers. And right now we are feeding about 800 kids a week uh, in, uh, on our little Cape Kids meal program. So, so let me, I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And it's such an innovative ministry because I, I haven't found anybody else in New England doing this. I'm not saying they're not, but I don't know anybody else who is. We're, we do hunger ministry, but this was innovative. And so, so tell me what happened. So you've identified somehow mm -hmm. kids who are on the free lunch program. Yes. And how did you identify who the kids were? That, um, what we have found is that the schools, um, if you're willing to work with them, you know, they have got some rules that they have to follow. And if we come in as servants to the needs that they've rec rec uh, recognized, then they, they would love the help. And so our schools and the principals and the social workers have been absolutely delightful. They are the tip of the spear. We simply resource them. So um, I'll come in with, you know, 75 bags in four huge bins, bring them in. I'm in and out of that school in uh, a minute and a half. So, and so they, and this is not about David. This is about food going that is in it. And it looks like the, the schools hand it to the bags. They identify the kids. They give the bags on Fridays and, uh, and we get to do it in Jesus name and stay, and stay pretty silent. And, and so you show up at the principal's office one day mm -hmm. and say, yes. I want to send food home for the weekend for kids yes. who are on the free lunch program. Yep. And the principal says what? Um, usually it's, he'll, he'll direct us to the, the school social worker or what's called the adjustment counselor. You know, we need to understand that our school folk love their kids. You know, there's all sorts of, you know, craziness being said about the schools and curriculum, and some of it's true. But by and large, what I have found is is, is people who, who who love kids and uh, and know their needs far better than we do. And uh, if we will listen to them, uh, you know, I, I went out and talked to, to, we have five little libraries in the five towns of, of Dennis. And I heard stories about on snow days, kids coming in crying because they knew they didn't eat that day. Mm. You know, and so when you when you will ask the questions of the people who know, I've been I've talked with a police uh, a school police officer. I said, 
you want to come for a drive with me sometime? I'll show you places where younger siblings are being raised by their older siblings because the parents are incarcerated. Yeah. You know, there's, and you say, wait a minute, this is Cape Cod. This yeah. isn't Newark, but it's everywhere. And, and sometimes we, we don't know about it because we, we have dared not ask the question. And, and you lived a lesson I think we see in a number of ministries around New England is that, you know, sometimes we have a perception that government schools are hostile to Christianity. And sometimes yeah. that's true. But yeah. more often than not, what I hear from folks like you is, no, I went in and asked how I could help or came up with a solution to a problem they were feeling. And they were thrilled to have the church plug in and help us with it. Is, is that fair? Yes. And, and rather than come in and say, this is what I'm going to do, you go there and say, what can I do to help? I'd really love to help. Mm. And and you will find them, you know, uh, it's been a, del- we're in our eighth year. Yeah. And it's been a delightful partnership. And so you start this by getting folks in your church mm-hmm. to come together on Friday. So I imagine somebody earlier in the week is doing all the shopping. So it's not a simple thing you're doing, even when you're just starting mm-hmm. out. And uh, so somebody's doing all the shopping earlier in the week and then Friday is packing day or how does it work? We have, we started that way doing everything retail. Okay. And um, can I, can I give you a, 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 an anecdote yep. that will, the way the Lord works? Um, we, we started this and this friend who went with me over to Eastern Europe, when we went to the schools, I said, if you're going to do this, we need a three-year commitment. We can't start and stop. Mm-hmm. And so my friend, his name is David Burns. He said, yeah, I'll underwrite it for the first three years. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's still, he's on our board and he's just wonderful. But, um, and there are so many good ideas that never see the light of day because no one will step forward like he did. But, um, so we're about six weeks, seven weeks into it. And I'm at the grocery store buying, you know, almost a hundred cans of SpaghettiOs, uh, at about eight in the morning and, or nine in the morning and the, and the, and the clerk who's saying, Oh, you really like spaghetti.
That's why I say all the time, paraphrasing AJ Gordon, right? When the 